to John's Gospel, the Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter 4. In John chapter 2, there was our Lord's first miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And then he, uh, he with his mother and his brothers, uh, left there. They went to Capernaum for a short while and then on to Jerusalem. And uh, while they were there was the first uh, overturning of the tables of those who um, were making a, a fortune out of uh, preying on the people who were coming to worship the Lord and uh, making the house of God into a den of thieves in the Lord's words. And then he came back uh, after speaking with Nicodemus for a while and then uh, came back uh, to the region of Galilee once again but through uh, Samaria instead of the usual practice of crossing the Jordan River to the east and going up through Perea and then recrossing to the west uh, near the bottom end of Lake Galilee, they came through Samaria and there was that account of the a woman at the well in Sychar and, uh, and the testimony of the people there uh, well first of all uh, the woman when she went into the uh, town and she said uh, come see a man who told me all things that ever I did could this be the Christ and so the realisation came to her uh, so good was her testimony that many believed on the Lord through the words of her testimony. And then coming down to verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city, by the way, the Lord didn't always receive a, well, enjoy a good reception when he came through Samaria, um, but uh, on this occasion he did. Uh, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. And so we are introduced to the Lord here on the words of the testimony of the Samaritans that he is the Saviour of the world. Now reading on. Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. So back to Galilee and back to Cana once again. Verse 44 for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honour in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. 
Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Uh, This is not the second miracle that Jesus did. Wrought because as we've seen there that many believed on him when they saw the signs, the miracles that he did down in Judea. This is the second one in uh, Galilee evidently, the first one being changing water into wine. But it doesn't matter who we are or what our uh, standard of living is, what our station is in life, what our achievements have been, whether we're rich or poor, It doesn't matter what nationality we are. Sooner or later, there will come griefs and sorrows into our life. And uh, Christians are not exempt, and even uh, people in high office are not exempt. And uh, he was a nobleman whose son was uh, very ill and at the point of death. And so uh, we'll have a look at, um, at what uh, became of this particular event this morning. So uh, in verse 46, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Uh, what, what I meant to say was that Jesus is... Therefore, whatever situation we, we may find ourselves in, the um, turning of water into wine was at a wedding feast. This is a joyous occasion. Here was a man now at the other end of the spectrum and he is grieving. He and his family uh, are having to cope with a very sick young lad who was getting worse and very close to death. And Jesus is able to enter into our situation regardless of what it is, the most joyous of experiences or the most sorrowful and how we deal with the sorrows when they come uh, does depend a lot on our walk and talk with the Lord. And so we see that he came again to Cana of Galilee. There was a certain nobleman. So this was a man of high office um, whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, Jesus is in Cana. Capernaum is on the shores of the uh, Sea of Galilee, uh, and that is about 200 metres below sea level. Cana is in the hill country of Galilee to the southwest of Capernaum. And so it was an uphill journey for him to make. Uh, How he travelled, we don't know, but probably on horseback. Uh, He was a a nobleman after all. But he made that journey because he had heard that Jesus, he'd heard of the miracles that had been performed down south in Judea along with the others 
and uh, he'd come to uh, intercede for his own son. And so his, his request was to come and heal his son, the l- young lad who was at the point of death. And so this is the problem that he faced, that his son was at death's door and this man is desperate. Probably he'd been to the local doctors, not only in Capernaum, but other uh, cities by the Sea of Galilee, Bethsaida and others there, but without success. Money was no object to him, but no one could help. And so this desperate man, he makes this journey uphill all the way from 200 metres below sea level up into the high country of Cana to see uh, the Lord himself. The tidings he heard then uh, brought out this expectancy in his life that perhaps there was one who would be able to help. But one thing to keep in mind also is that um, that there there must have been pride on his part that he would have had to Uh, to swallow. To swallow your pride is not always an easy thing. Uh, He was a nobleman. The word used is basilikos, which is a word related to royalty. Basilica means kingdom. Basilicius is a king. And uh, so it's related to royalty. Uh, It seems that he was a royal official or an official perhaps in the palace of Herod Antipas who was uh, king or tetrarch of the Galilee region and uh, and with a title like um, uh, nobleman, uh, royal official, then he would have been a very high office, a man of uh, means and uh, he had servants after all. And so uh, he came, uh, swallowing his pride, to a carpenter. And so, uh, you know, the thoughts may have been going through his mind, well, what will people think when they hear that I have gone up there to see a Jewish carpenter? But, of course, uh, what, what does it matter what people think? And yet I have to say this because that's what keeps a lot of people from trusting the Lord. They hear the message of the cross, they come under conviction, but what will my friends say if I become a Christian? And so they hold back. And sad to say, this does keep a lot of people back from trusting the Lord. Uh, Well, not so in this man's case. Um, Whatever pride he might have had, uh, he put that aside and came to see this one who'd he, who he'd heard to be a miracle worker. And the Lord said to the, um, said to the people, it, it looks as if he's speaking to the man, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by, by no means believe. Um, in the authorised version, uh, you notice the word people there is in italics, it's not there. Unless ye see signs and wonders, ye will by no means believe. And so this, uh, this was true, but he wasn't just speaking to the man. There were a group of people there to see more signs. They came out to see the signs. And this is one of the problems of the Jewish people. They were always asking to see a sign. 
uh, back there in chapter 2 when he overturned the tables in the temple, uh, the money changers there, they said to him then, show us a sign for your authority to do this. And he said, "Uh, this is the sign I'll give you, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. And of course they ridiculed that, they thought he was talking about the building where they were, but he spoke to them about his body. Uh, He was speaking of the temple being his own body, kill this body and in three days I will come back to life. Uh, On another occasion, uh, give us a sign, give us a sign. Well, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. There will be no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so uh, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, uh, this is the problem with people. The Greeks always seek after wisdom. They're looking for wisdom. All the philosophers... uh, lived in Greece and the Jews seek a sign and Paul went on to say but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews that's a stumbling block to the Greeks foolishness but we preach Christ the power of God the wisdom of God and how that the the foolishness of God speaking rhetorically is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men And so this is the Lord's own testimony of the reason that he came. And so uh, this man has made this uh, journey um, about 40 kilometres it would have been, but how long it would take going on this uphill uh, climb from Capernaum to Cana, uh, several hours, of course. But, um, But here is the request that he made now in verse... 47. Uh, When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You know, the Lord always looks for belief before they see unless you see you will not believe now that's a popular saying that we have Um, seeing is believing but in the Lord's economy believing is seeing believe first and then you will see he said as much to uh, Martha at the tomb of Lazarus when um, Lazarus, her brother, had been dead for four days, he'd been buried, and, uh, and when Jesus arrived, um, he said, take away the stone. And Martha protested, no, no, he's been dead four days. By now there's a foul smell. You can't do that. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. If you believed, then you will see. On the other side of the coin, we have Thomas, uh, Thomas the disciple. When uh, the uh, other ten told him, the Lord is risen, we've seen him, he's been here. And uh, Thomas said, I don't believe. And unless I see for myself, 
and uh, am able to touch his risen body, I will not believe. And of course, a week later, uh, he didn't need to touch. When he stood in the presence of the risen Lord Jesus, my Lord and my God. And so, um, even though Thomas is noted for his doubting, he's got that reputation down through the centuries, and yet we can thank Thomas, I suppose, for doubting because we have those wonderful words from the Lord, blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Because that includes you. That includes me. If we belong to the Lord, if we are his, then... We have not seen him in the flesh and yet we've come to a place in our lives where we have believed and we've entrusted our lives to him. And so Peter writing in his epistles uh, to you uh, who believe he is precious, whom having not seen ye love. And so thank you Thomas for, for doubting because now we have those wonderful words of the Lord Blessed are those who have not seen but have believed. Well, the Lord here um, uh, says to the people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And... um, Uh, so, so then he was able to hear the words of the Lord, Go your way, your son lives. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He's probably thinking, it's all right to uh, give these people a lesson, to lecture these people who are here, unless you see for yourselves you will not believe. But um, uh, <clears throat> my boy is dying. This is urgent. I'm desperate. He speaks respectfully, addressing the Lord as sir, but he's very insistent, come down before my child dies. And, uh, and then he he hears the words of the Lord. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. So, uh, so here, here is the, um, uh, the, the wonderful uh, assurance that he has. Uh, will he believe or will he not? As we've read here, yes, the man believed and left uh, to return home once again. So it's a very, very wonderful thing that he did come to this place of faith in his life that he did believe. Uh, His faith at the beginning, I suggest, was very small. Uh, There were others who came to the Lord on different occasions uh, for much the same sort of reason. For example, uh, Matthew tells us in uh, in the opening verses of chapter 8, you know, of course, that chapters 5, 6 and 7 of Matthew, we have the record of the Sermon on the Mount. And then chapter 8 opens with the Lord coming down from the mountain And there are the um, nine disciples uh, in a verbal stoush with the scribes. And Jesus said, what were you talking about with them to the scribes? And 
And then a man came out of the crowd and said, uh, no, no, uh, uh, no, 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 this is when he, when he met with the leper I was going to talk about here. And uh, there was a leper who said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, a leper was a person who was uh, ostracised from humanity. Uh, he was a man who, um, who was unclean, ceremonial un- unclean, but also a, had a contagious disease of leprosy. And, uh, and this man uh, came and he said, if thou wilt. Now, he also had his doubts. He had no doubt at all about the Lord's ability to heal, If thou wilt, you can cleanse me. You can make me clean. You can heal me of this leprosy. But his doubt was the Lord's willingness. He doubted the Lord's compassion. And this we can understand quite readily because he'd not known much compassion in his life. And uh, and so um, he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the Lord said to him, well, actually, reading it in Mark's Gospel, we read that Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And that's one thing you don't do with lepers. You don't touch them. You must keep your distance from them. They must keep their distance from you, have their mouth covered. And if anyone gets too close, unclean, unclean. And, uh, and yet Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. But the other one that I I was um, mixed up uh, earlier on was uh, when when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, and there uh, the disciples were arguing with the scribes and uh, this time a man came out of the crowd and he said, uh, I brought my son to the disciples for them to heal him but they were not able to and uh, and so uh, Jesus got into a conversation with him how long has he been like this not because he was looking for information but this man needed to unload and and so the man finally said if you can please help us the leper doubted the Lord's uh, compassion his willingness had no doubt at all about his ability, but this man is doubting the Lord's ability. If you can, please help us. And, and so um, uh, here uh, the Lord said, bring the boy to me, and he healed him. This was a lad who was afflicted with a deaf and dumb spirit, one that uh, threw him down, made him foam at the mouth and gnash his teeth, sent him into a rigid spasm and, uh, and this was causing great distress to the people. Uh, but uh, this man of whom we're reading here, uh, the nobleman, he's not doubting the Lord's ability nor his compassion. His problem is he's limiting the Lord to the place. He said, come down to where my son is and heal him. And uh, of course there are other occasions when the Lord did heal from afar. There was the centurion who uh, came to the Lord on one occasion and said, my servant is sick. 
And the Lord said, well, I'll come and heal him. And this centurion, he said, but I'm a commissioned officer in the Roman military. I am a company commander of a hundred soldiers, a centurion. And I say to one person, go, and he goes. And I say to this one, you come, and he comes. And I say to another one, do this, and he does it. But I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. You just speak the word, and he'll be healed. And what was the Lord's commendation of him? I've not seen such great faith in all Israel as this Gentile, this Roman centurion. And uh, there was, uh, of course, the, uh, the mother of the demon-possessed girl when uh, that second occasion, or second occasion that I can find, where he stepped outside of the borders of Israel. The first time was as an infant when the angel said to Joseph, take the young child and Mary his mother, go down to Egypt until after the death of King Herod. But this was the other occasion when he stepped outside of Israel to the borders of Tyre and Sidon and there was this uh, Syrophoenician mother whose daughter was severely demon-possessed and that daughter was also healed from a distance. But this nobleman, he felt that the Lord had to be there and so he's insisting, come down and heal my son. Well, uh, when the Lord spoke those words to him, go your way, your son lived, and the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lived. So this is, uh, it seems to be an unhurried return because he, he had an overnight stop on the way. Yesterday at the seventh hour, as I say, it's about 40 kilometres, how he travelled, probably by horseback, but you'd think that you'd be able to cover that distance in four or five hours and he'd be home the same day. And uh, a few uh, suggestions have been put forward as to why. Well, for one thing, we don't know the condition of the roads uh, nor how long it took him to go from Capernaum up to there, Um, and what the condition of the roads would have been. Uh, Going into high country, there would have been deviations and uh, detours and so forth. But um, uh, uh, others have said uh, that uh, perhaps, you know, with with that confidence, because he believed the Lord now, he just stayed a little longer and thereby um, uh, had a bit bit more of a familiar talk with the Lord. Uh, That is a possibility. But another possibility might be this, that he did get there the same day, but after sunset. You see, our day begins at um, midnight and then the new day starts and then it finishes at midnight. Well, the Jewish day finished at sundown and so at sundown, that was the end of that day and so then tomorrow then begins... And so it may be that he was still coming down and before he'd reached home, the sun had set, but before last light, he's able to continue on his way for another hour or two uh, before uh, darkness takes over. And so in that case, it would have been yesterday at the seventh hour, the seventh hour being 1 p.m. 
And I'm thinking of those servants as they came to meet him. You know, we, we just read it as, as a narrative here, just as a matter of fact. Uh, as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And that was the very time. It may have been one o'clock that same day by our reckoning, but the day before by Jewish reckoning with the day uh, ending and then the new day beginning at sundown. Um, so all of these are possibilities, but, um, you know, just of, just of interest really, um, or maybe no interest at all. But, um, you, you know, it, they wouldn't have met him and spoken, you know, matter-of-factly like that. I'm sure that they would have been ever so excited. Good news, good news! It's great to see you, and we've got good news for you. Your son lives, he's got better. And, uh, and so the, then he asked for more details. He asked when this was. And they said, well, you know, it could have been. This, this is all speculative here. It, it was yesterday... Um, your wife checked on the young lad just before lunchtime and uh, she came out, she told us there's no change, he's not getting any better, not getting any worse and, and still just uh, lying there. And so, but we no sooner started our dinner, we heard a voice from the room next door, I'm hungry. And we were all on our feet in the flash. You know, you can just imagine uh, something like this happening and... Uh, uh, th this is all, um, you know, if I make a Hollywood film of it or something, but um, I, uh, so it was lunchtime. We'd only just started our lunch. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, and so he knew that it was the very moment that the Lord spoke to him and said, go your way, your son lives. So it would have been a joyous occasion for uh, that man. And, uh, and so you see, uh, one point here is that this is a tragic situation that he found himself. Uh, no parent likes to uh, have a child who is so sick that uh, death is very, very possible soon. And this is a situation that he's in. And yet for him, this is probably the best thing that could have happened because without that he would not have come to the Lord. If all was well with his household, he would have stayed on uh, blissfully ignorant of the Lord and his work and uh, with no sense of need for himself. But what was the result of it all? First of all, he believed the Lord further up, but now he believes the Lord once again. So the father knew that it was the same era in which Jesus said to him, your son lives and he himself believed and his whole household. So when he's able to tell them what had transpired up there at Cana, uh, they, they would have been absolute fools if they did not believe him. And so this chapter finishes off with this again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So... Um, so as we've seen uh, something of people with their various doubts, this fellow doubted that the Lord could heal from a distance and uh, the 
the leper doubted the Lord's um, compassion. The other man doubted whether the uh, Lord was able to anyway. But we all have our doubts and, uh, and even the unsaved have their doubts concerning this. And uh, the, the doubts that uh, do come uh, with, you know, with the Lord's help can be dis, uh, dispelled, but um, there are doubts which are sinful doubts, and that is, I will not believe. Uh, for example, in uh, John, chapter, John chapter 12, uh, when, when we read there how the Lord Jesus had done so many miracles and yet people refused to believe and all they were looking for was more miracles. I follow him just to see, see a sideshow, as it were. And, uh, and so although... Uh, they had seen so many, so many miracles, but they would not believe, and therefore we read, therefore they could not believe. And then a couple of quotes from Isaiah, one from Isaiah 53, one from Isaiah 6, um, that who hath believed our report, and uh, say to this people, because you, re you refuse to hear, uh, you'll be blinded, so you cannot. So these are sinful doubts that people have preventing them from coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord because they would not, of their own free will, they would not believe and the time came when they could not believe because uh, their conscience was seared, their hearts were hardened and the time came when they could not believe. A very, very solemn word from the Lord indeed. They could not believe lest they should uh, hear with their, with their um, ears and believe in their heart and be saved. So um, this is that uh, uh, father in, um, uh, from Capernaum, a uh, nobleman uh, who was probably very high office. Uh, and in fact, uh, and just as I close, uh, just by way of, of interest once again, some have suggested that his name was Chusa, C-H-U-Z-A. And, uh, and so we, we can maybe give him a name, maybe not. But um, uh, going to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, and uh, j just a couple of things here. Um, verse 1 of Luke chapter 8, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Was this the nobleman? Was this the royal official? Uh, some have suggested that it might have been, and, and that's as far as you can go. It may have been um, the wife uh, of this nobleman who was also ministering to the Lord on uh, this later occasion here. Be that as it may, uh, we can have every confidence that the Lord is interested in us during the joyful times of a wedding or in the sorrowful times of grief and sorrow coming in, uh, whether it's sickness and even when, uh, when we are parted by death, 
uh, the Lord is still able to minister to our needs in a very wonderful way. And so um, here is the the uh, nobleman with a very uh, sick son. And let it never be said of any of any of us that except ye see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. But let us come fully trusting him at all time. Loving Father, we bow once again to give you thanks for our time of fellowship this morning. We do pray your blessing upon us as we separate, as we go to our respective homes. We pray, Father, for our own loved ones and we think of those who do not yet know the Lord. And uh, we we think of this man who did not yet recognise his need of a saviour either but came uh, imploring the Lord for benefit for his son. And Lord, so we do pray that uh, for all of us we may know the joy of the Lord in a very real way throughout this day and in all things we would return our thanks for every blessing. Part us then with your blessing we ask in our Saviour's name. Amen.